Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. We'll start the show. Can I start the show? Can you start it? Can we start the show? We, we got like a, one of us like start a the leaf show? blower. We got to like prime it, and then <laughs> the show is started. Tom, welcome to Talking Tesla. <laughs> Number 92. 92. And I don't know whether or not you guys have figured it out yet because the show's only been on for five seconds, but Mel is also (laughs) not here again. Turns out uh, I was wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong. You were actually, I think, optimistic, but delusionary optimistic (laughs) in thinking that that Mel would be back and that you wouldn't have to invest as much time on the show notes. Yeah, that's okay. I don't mind investing time in the show notes. I think it's fun, and that way I get to talk about what I want to talk about instead of getting to having to talk about what you people want to talk about. And on that note, Robert, is we've that a gotten, flat note or no, is that a? No. I don't know. It's just a note. Okay. It's, it's early Monday morning. We've had an exciting weekend. There's lots to talk about. It was a double you're, header this weekend. You're putting on your Tesla Club of Southern Arizona hat sent to us by. Uh, Mr. Andy McLeod. Thank you, Andy. And uh, we love them. They're they're great. We've spent uh, the last five minutes trying to figure out what dictatorial flag the <laughs> logo reminds Robert of. No, I it's... had I didn't go there, Andy. Just so you know, but Robert instantly was like, "It's the flag of," and I was like, "No, it's not. It doesn't look anything like that." And it doesn't. It's it definitely there's like a rising Tesla symbol as opposed to the rising sun. Yeah, it's Tesla rising. Tesla rising over the mm-hmm. very warm skies of southern Arizona. It's a black field, though. That's because it's scorched earth. Wow. <laughs> now now you've insulted his home. No, I mean, like, well. maybe he's actually making a statement that we need to get off of the fossil fuels and shut down those big coal-fired power plants in Arizona. Yes, Andy. If you've Since put... the state, you know, if you covered the state of uh-huh. Arizona with, with solar panels, mm-hmm. you probably could power the world. Probably could, but yeah. there'd probably be some people in the state of Arizona that'd be like, that sucked. <laughs> no, they'd be in the south. They'd say, th- well, yeah, if you covered like the Grand Canyon yeah, the with solar panels, that would not go I over mean, I well. I don't think you should just cover anywhere. But in the southern part of Arizona, people would probably say like, wow, we're walking on the sidewalk in the shade. How nice. <laughs> they might. We're driving along the freeway in the shade. How nice. Because you know how they hot might. it was in Arizona last week? Southern Arizona? It was all of the hot, is my guess. It's they the middle of summer. They set records. 120 degrees. People, I read about their eyes being injured because it was so dry. And if there was any wind, it would like dehydrate you like a raisin. That sounds terrible. I know. Dear Arizona, drink water. We have space. Please leave. 
in the summer. Space. We have space in other places. Oh, in cooler places. Yeah, yeah like Antarctica. I mean, it's terrible. They, Maybe. They probably have to get up at like 3 a.m., do their grocery shopping, and then they're probably by noon, they're done. Their day's do- over. Yeah, by noon, Don't you probably go outside. better be under some shade with water and ice. You and probably couldn't even have ice. Probably would melt instantly. Oh, Andy. So ha- now that we've insulted the fine people of Arizona, can, no, we, I love get, Arizona. Uh, can we get on with it? But I'd like to say a note of thanks to the fine people of Arizona, to Andy, and to all the Patreon supporters who have sent us inspiration and letters. Yeah, the letters are and fantastic. awesomeness. The letters are fantastic. Well, but I'm going to start with an nwpr.org post because a public radio, yeah, a public radio story. Is that okay? I think that's a great idea. There's no audio for the story, at least not that we're going to play. No, I looked up on the link something... and I didn't find it either. I didn't go through the NPR app to find yeah. it. But apparently, there was an EV roadmap conference in Portland. Right. On a a Tuesday. Diego invited us, I believe. On a Tuesday. I wonder if Diego was there. I think it was a longer – and it's also linked together with this organization Mm -hmm. called Forth, F-O-R-T-H. Yeah, it was formerly Drive Oregon, but now it's Forth. Forth. Like go forth and multiply. Yeah, go forth. That must be why. Because they're pushing EVs and Oregon is kind of a state that is prime for EVs. So what happened? What happened there? So one of the things that they discussed was how poor people spend more of their income on gas and transportation and their neighborhoods are often more exposed to air pollution. It's because they get stuck living next to the freeway. And one of the barriers to getting electronic vehicles into low-income communities is the idea that EVs are for rich people and Teslas are for sure. Yeah. But not all EVs. Again, you can buy a leaf for an inexpensive amount of money. Like a used leaf with yeah, like a used leaf for six 10, or seven grand, yeah. under ten grand, you can definitely, you can definitely pick one up. But I think that the myth of it probably makes that more difficult, right? So lower income consumers and communities of color are interested in electric vehicles because of the benefits they bring, not just in the environmental front of cleaner air for their community, but for their pockets. Because as you know, as we know, gas guzzlers can cost more. In maintenance than electric cars. Yeah. So switching to an EV could actually save money uh, depending on the EV. Plus how much it costs to fill up the tank of a gas guzzler, diesel, or petrol. Much more expensive than to uh, charge at a – even a a pay-for charging kiosk. It's like a slow bleed if you buy an ICE car because things break. The whole model of the ICE car is get you to keep going back to the dealership or the mechanic if you don't want to go to the dealership and just – Oh, you need a new few, a new uh, water pump. Oh, well, I don't know if oh. it's the model of it. I think that's just how it worked out. You need your like spark those plugs replaced. Types of engines require maintenance due to their uh, engineering. Your fuel injector, eight hundred dollars. Right. My guess is if a car company could build an ICE engine that didn't need any maintenance, they probably would. But I don't think that's practical or possible. Yeah, I think that uh, since we've had uh, internal combustion engines now for a hundred and. Well over a hundred years, a lot of time, and that ain't going to happen. Plus, how often right. do you, re- you know, replace your brakes? How often did I replace my brakes on my Model S at eighty six thousand miles? I don't know, Robert. How how often? I haven't. Oh, you haven't because they use regenerative that was energy. Like a trick question. That's not fair. <laughs> how many times? <laughs> Seven times. <laughs> but There's... I'm sure people do replace their Teslas, depending on how they drive them, 
do replace their brakes. Yeah, I think if you if you don't embrace the regenerative braking on any of these electric vehicles, mm-hmm. you're going to, you know, and you continue to drive with your foot on the brake a lot, braking hard, braking soon, you're not going to, you know. Drive fast, brake hard. You're not going to reap the benefits of an electric vehicle because they work differently. Yeah. So this conference sounds like it would have been really great to go to, but of course, uh, Mel went on safari instead. <laughs> But you already, you know, you know that I did know that Mel was. Mel wouldn't probably have gone to Portland unless. Yeah, but I'm surprised you didn't, to be honest with you. So that's true. But I, I had to work this weekend, and um, I was trying to get a shift off so that I could go to Vandenberg Lompoc area for a Sunday event, mm. which we'll probably touch on in a few minutes. We might, we might. But this other place, this fourth, they mm-hmm. have like a showroom mm-hmm. where you can make an appointment and go down there and look at three electric vehicles. We talked about this That's cool. one or two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's kind of like consolidates all the electric vehicles. And this it is does. a nonprofit that's just promoting uh, electric driving. And on top of it, the organizer of this conference, 4th, formerly Drive Oregon, teamed up with a community development corporation, Hacienda, to launch an electric car sharing program for a low-income community in Portland's Cully neighborhood. So that's pretty cool. So they're not only putting on this conference to try to forward EVs, they're trying to forward EVs across the communities of people who can afford the expensive ones, people who can afford the the inexpensive ones, and and basically, like, knowledge is power, right? So the more information you can get out there to these communities and uh, in different languages also would be very, very helpful as well. They mentioned that as being one issue in this article is that a lot of this information may not be available in Spanish, including this show. So hopefully CC is going to take this show and completely translate it every week into Spanish. Well, it's a good thing it's not a video show because then there wouldn't be like a delay, <laughs> like my mouth would be moving and, and yeah. somebody would say, El automobile eléctrica está muy bien. That would be really cool if we could do that, but my guess is it's not going to happen. It would be nice. They also started an e-bike sharing program Chinese? for un, for workers who don't have driver's licenses. So that's pretty cool. So there's e-bikes they're using, e-cars. So they're really trying to move it forward. They're also noticing that people who have a lower income are often pushed away from the work regions within yeah. a city so that they have farther to travel. It's mm-hmm. less uh, reasonable for them to get on a bus. And so, you know, an electric vehicle could even compound the amount of money they would save yeah. over an ice car. I'm actually looking at PlugShare, one of my favorite apps, and I'm looking at the region around where I live, mm-hmm. which is West Los Angeles, yeah. which is a pretty affluent area. But to the east of me, there are huge swaths of no EVs. No, I should say no, no chargers. chargers. Just huge swaths. So if you lived in any one of these regions, it could be like, you know, in LA, you can probably throw a stone to an EV charger, you know, all across the west side. Yeah. If you knew where they were and you had a really good arm. But in the, in the central part of Los Angeles, negative. I still Not have available. yet to, to call up a person on a private plug share hmm. and say, hey, can I use your charger? I've never done that. I only did it once. People must do it. Yeah, I did it once. How was it? It was great. I met this nice guy. Nice. He told me all about his daughter who bought a Tesla. That's why he installed the charger plug. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a NEMA 1450. So it was a full-blown 40-amp plug. Nice. You know, stayed there for two and a half, three hours Showed me where to go get food. It was a great experience. Nice. Very community-like. And speaking of 
people in the community who are green. <laughs> Did you know? Or actually, I guess the queen is not in my community. Maybe she's more in your community, Tom. I don't understand why would she be in my community. And I know we're talking about the queen of England. There's probably more than one queen. You but if you say the queen, we know who you're talking right, about. You strike right? me as somewhat royal, Tom. That's true. Yeah. I do carry myself a little more properly. I like a good uh, royal wedding. Yes. You appreciate scotch whiskey? I do. Yes, that's true. It is true. (laughs) You have many royal attributes. And it turns out, drum roll, Mm -hmm. the queen is green. Thanks to this story by BBC News, the queen occasionally, I guess once a year, maybe a couple of times a year, I don't know how it works, makes a whole bunch of proclamations about what's going to happen. My guess is she sits in in a room with the prime minister, and they just work out some stuff. And one of the things that they worked out this time had to do with automated and electric vehicles. It's exciting. It is exciting. So she wants to make sure that automated vehicles get some room to grow Uh and to promote that automated vehicles should be regulated in a way that promotes their ability to become adopted. She sees there's a great – well, I shouldn't speak for her, but from what I read, the indication (laughs) is that – No one speaks for the queen, No one. No one. And so the indication is that uh, they want to have the opportunity for engineers and uh, technologists to be able to create great automation for vehicles right there in good old Great Britain Mm -hmm. and uh, the production of electric vehicles as well. They put down a proclamation that they should distribute electrical vehicle charging infrastructure, Mm -hmm. that they should allow uh, insurance companies to insure electric and automated vehicles. Not allow. They extend compulsory Compulsory. motor vehicle insurance to cover the use of automated vehicles to ensure compensation claims continue to be paid quickly, fairly, and easily in line with longstanding insurance practices, to quote. So this also allows the government to require the installation of charge points for electric vehicles at motorway service areas and large fuel retailers. What was exciting, and I read through a couple of the other articles because there's a bunch of them on the Internet from the Great Britain, and it says that the government wants, quote, almost every car and van to be zero emissions by 2050. I thought you were going to say 2020 I know. for a second. I thought, you know, 2020, it is getting closer. It feels like it's forever away, but 2050 feels like, uh, well, but 100% in Great Britain, that would be a lot. They also say that uh, these provisions apply throughout. So England, Scotland, and Wales, which was at one time another country. It was, yeah. Yeah. You know, the whiskey in Wales? Wales whiskey? There is a whiskey in Wales. And guess what it is very similar to, or at least was the precursor to bourbon whiskey. Interesting. Yeah, there's a great history of that. Did not know that. So one more point is very exciting Mm -hmm. is that so far in 2017, or I should say in the first quarter, almost 14,000 electric vehicles were registered in Great Britain. That's a lot. That's a 17% rise over the same period last year. Go Great Britain. Do you like the music in your Tesla, Tom? I like that there is music in my Tesla. It seems to be the same music that I can get anywhere else. So I don't know, not specifically the music. I do enjoy that I can plug in a search a term and 
and then it'll give me a radio station. I do enjoy that, but there are a lot of services that do that, the Pandora, the Spotify. The, like what's a term of... you would use to search with? Well, I just typically search at person or a, okay. or a band. Like right? I'll Bowie. type in uh, either a Nirvana song. Right. So, for instance, I typed in The Man Who Sold the World. It will give me either the Nirvana version or the David Bowie version, and then it'll give me a, some songs based on my liking and disliking. And I don't usually sit there very often and, and dislike a thing, but no. I'll just forward to the next song using the little thumb button. Ding, 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 ding. So that's pretty cool. But we're not talking about me. We're talking about Tesla. Yes, and Elon, and evidently there may be a lot of people out there who really take their music listening seriously in the Tesla and are not satisfied with the tune-in, which repeatedly does not load. I can, I still can't listen to the New York Times Daily. Uh, it just never loads. And I've talked to Tesla about it, and they're like, oh, we're working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe they, they should everything. dump tune-in. My, I don't know that they if should. If they do, or not. though, you might can't listen to talking Tesla in your car. So what you were alluding to is this rumor story. Rumors abound in the world of Tesla, and this one came from Forge dot com, based on a single post on Recode, a single rumor post on Recode that Tesla was in conversations with all of the music providers. Pretty exciting. Warner Music, all those other people, to start their own streaming service. Custom, custom Tesla-based streaming service, but it's a rumor. Yeah. The article's interesting, though. Yeah. But it makes good arguments as to why this shouldn't happen. And also why it will possibly happen. In fact, it does do kind of both of those More than even uh, reasons why it will happen, reasons why Mm -hmm. it might actually go much farther, which led me to looking at a story about SpaceX. So it turns out that uh, SpaceX made an announcement last month that they're going to deploy a global network of, get this, 4,425 satellites in a very low-level orbit, which would cover the world with low-latency broadband internet services. And they're going to be so low-level, you just have to walk out of the SpaceX building, and you just you put you get real low, you bend your knees. I'm bending my knees, that's why it sounds different. And you just you just toss them up in the air, and then they'll just float. Well, it's not completely different than what Google has been working on, right? They put Google. They put. Uh, I don't know if they're repeaters or they're, they're somehow they provide a Wi-Fi or a broadband connectivity from a balloon, like a weather balloon. Mm-hmm. And they've been floating these over regions that have like very poor Internet connection or they have locked down Internet where the government, for example, restricts how much people can access news outside the country. And this is like in some African countries. So Google's already been piloting this. It's pretty cool. But, you know, balloons pop and they don't (laughs) stay aloft all that long and they're not as permanent as a satellite would be. People shoot them down. If you're you're, um, a listener and you're a sort of a tech-involved person, you would know what low-latency broadband is, but some of us, really, that just kind of gets beyond us. It's kind of like a satellite that's too high. Why are you talking about me like that? I'm in the room. No, it's me too. So I had to look it up. And so land-based internet 
systems have a latency of about five milliseconds. So that's like you send a little thing in your phone and it says, search Nirvana, and it goes up away from you and then it comes back and that's like 10 milliseconds because it's two directions. It's very fast. SpaceX latencies planned to be as low as 25 to 35 milliseconds. So a that little also bit. also seems very fast. It is very fast, but maybe it's slow. Maybe you'll notice the difference. But currently, the network that's in the sky that allows people to connect with like a satellite phone and with a satellite-based internet connection, it's a different technology. It's expensive. Mm. It's run by Hughes. Mm-hmm. And they're here in Southern California, and they have these geosynchronous satellites. Uh, I think there's less than 30. I can't remember the number of them, but it's not 4,425. Just make up a number. It's what we do here. Yeah, no, then I'll get six or seven letters, and some of them can uh, be nasty. 36. Thank you. And so <laughs> their latency is like 580 to 870 milliseconds. It seems like forever. Yeah, so that's two orders of magnitude. Plus, I do what not, you would get here on, on Earth. You're almost waiting an entire second. For each, yeah, for two oh, directions. That is crazy. My cousin actually has this service at his cabin in South Dakota. Tell me. How is it? It's good. I yeah. mean, it works. You can, you can hook your phones up to it. But they limit the total amount of bandwidth you can have a month. And so we all, when we're there, we have to keep our phones turned off. No push notifications or any of that stuff for so us. So you can't batch watch House of Cards when it first man- drops? No, that's not a good idea. I wonder if you can do that with the SpaceX. So this uh, this brings up a lot of concern for folks yeah. who are in the space business because mm-hmm. adding 4,425 low-Earth satellites would increase the amount of satellites like threefold but there's, it, but there's it, only about 1400 satellites up there right now right but it gets off the whole point of the tesla music service so you think because yes. spacex wants to put up these 4400 satellites that they're going to do that basically just to provide a new music service to the cars that's part of it but how much do they pay at&t or other uh uh, cellular I providers worldwide to keep their 200,000 cars connected. But how much is it to build 4,425 satellites and send them I don't them know. Up? They might be those little micro-satellites that are the size of, like, part of a shoebox. So did, did you, in this article or that you found, did you learn, like, how many of these satellites they can de- deploy with one launch? Yeah, probably a hundred and no, maybe are a you few making, hundred. You're just making numbers I'm making, up now. I'm making, yeah, you have no idea. You don't. You, they haven't so gone farther. This was the okay. first announcement. It's sort of like a they've done their feasibility, and uh, you know this is potentially the the Musk empire, right? Becoming more of an empire. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of music services already. There's Amazon Music. There's Apple Music. There's Google Music. They all have them, right? They all have their pluses and minuses. The only thing I could say is this, Elon. If he doesn't like the way any of those work in his car and he wants the experience to be better, then I could see him wanting to build his own, right? Because that's the kind right. of thing. He's like, uh, you guys figured out how to build tunnels. I'm going to figure out how to build them better. You guys figured out how to make a streaming service. I'm going to make a better streaming service so because that's just who he is. You're saying that if Elon gets an itch, he's really going to scratch it. I see it this way. If he's driving around in his car and he doesn't like the music experience yeah, and he – just gets a bug, yeah. Like you said, yeah. He will move heaven and earth to fix it because that's just who he is. Yeah. So I could see it happening. I just I hope it doesn't spend too much of Elon's 
brain time on right. music streaming. Yeah, the next time somebody asks him what percentage of time he spends on this, he says 0.01%. <laughs> right. Because he's just funded five engineers and right. a few other interns right. to tackle this. Because like it would be like as if Albert Einstein was working on a nail clipper. If anybody is still listening, we're going to talk about Tesla stock next. So, hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price? As of 12.17 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, Tesla shares are trading at $377.56 a share on NASDAQ, down 1.54% from last Friday. So down a little bit. Wow. I wonder if that makes the shorters happy. Oh, oh. Yeah, especially because there's now more stories saying Tesla going to 1,000. Yeah, and Amazon hit it. Yeah. Amazon hit 1,000 after they bought uh, the... The, the Whole Foods. Now let's talk about the little EV that could. And that dude in this new story uh-huh. could really use a good music service. He could because he is about to go 10,000 miles from oh. the United Kingdom. A lot of UK stories today on the show. Yeah. To Mongolia in a Nissan Leaf as part of the Mongol Rally. That's pretty cool. This is a Zap slash map.com article. Do you think they have Mongolian barbecue in Mongolia? Wow. They probably do not, actually. <laughs> so this is an organization, Plug-In Adventures, and they are going to do a 10,000-mile rally in a Nissan Leaf. And you might say to yourself, how are you doing a rally test in a Nissan Leaf? You're going to have to stop all the time. You're going to end up being very far behind the rest of the cars. But it's an endurance race. It's not time. So it's not time. You just have to finish. Right. So 10,000 miles in a Nissan Leaf. What do you think about that, buddy? Better have a good, 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 comfortable seat. (laughs) (laughs) 10,000 miles isn't that much. That's like a year's worth of driving. Yeah, but they've modified this car to drive on rough roads and poorly surfaced roads. It's true. They they increased the storage space by taking out the rear seats, and they took out 32 kilos of weight. Of stuff. To add more storage, but my guess yeah. is they're just going to put that stuff back in there. Well, Probably I don't know. cans of Chef Boyardee and I, stuff like that. I don't that. know if that's their net uh, lost weight or their gross lost weight, but I don't know. they put a rack on top of this little leaf they that did. has a battery in it, which concerns me because that's going to kind of change your center of gravity. The rack has a battery? That's what I read. Oh, interesting. It was like two in the morning when I read the yeah. article. <laughs> so I might have been a little bit I didn't bit read off. that. And it has a light bar up there, like one of those cool four-wheel drive light bars up there so they could see at night if he drives. But he's just planning on doing his thing, going from quick charger to quick charger at uh, 100 miles a clip or 80 miles a clip. Imagine doing 10,000 miles at 80 or 90 miles at a clip. Wow. That is a lot of charging. Well, you get out, you walk, you maybe have a little jog. It does say here a special roof rack has been fitted for external storage. So maybe it wasn't with batteries, but it does have a nice cool LED bar, which would really come in handy for me, although I don't think other drivers would appreciate it. But it's a pretty slick painted car. and, And hey, this dude is out there. He's showing off that an electric car can do this endurance rally, Mm -hmm. and I bet you there's lots of other cars that are burning everything else. I would like to have done it in a Tesla. Well, I met a group of people Uh a year ago who did just that, but they went in the opposite direction. They didn't drive across the Pacific, though. They flew the car. Mm. Yeah, That's what I would do. Yeah, it'd be tougher. Unless but it's going to be Elon very version. difficult in a Nissan Leaf. And did you know since 2010, Nissan Leafs have driven over 3 billion kilometers? 
That's wonderful. Which I think is close to about a thousand miles. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Three one point eight billion. That's a lot of miles. Five hundred million kilograms of CO two emissions. So thank you, Nissan, for creating the Leaf. Yeah, no, it's a sweet car. They're coming out with a new one, I believe. But we don't have a story on that. We do. We do have a story about the Bolt. We do with that's a b- the B B with a B because B-bolt. last week we spoke about the X crash test yes. ratings, and we even How, named the show "Crash That X," which is pretty brilliant but sad to watch. <laughs> this electriccarsreport.com story is about the Chevy Bolt being the first all-electric vehicle to earn a 2017 award from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, and it got good ratings in all five of the Institute's crash-worthiness test, overlap front, moderate overlap front, side roof strength, and head restraint. It also has an optional front crash prevention system that earned a superior rating, Robert. Superior. That that makes me feel great. So people can't say electric cars aren't as safe as gasoline or diesel cars because it's not true. And here's a piece of information that I didn't quite pick up on the nuance of this. There's also a thing they have called Top Safety Pick Plus. Is that like Perform P85 Plus? I think things like this make this stuff very confusing in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's very good for those of us who are super detail nerds, but yeah. not for everybody. So if the Chevy Bolt had gotten all of the ratings that it did and – also had good or acceptable headlights, it would have got top safety pick plus, but it didn't. Apparently, it doesn't have good or acceptable headlights, according to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. It's only available with poor rated headlights, which is a weird option. Uh, Sir, would you like the poorly rated headlights or would you like, oh, wait, we only offer the poorly rated headlights? I would say that maybe this is a great opportunity for the aftermarket folks that they could sell a new bulb or a new something to upgrade the headlights on the Bolt. And it says they provide fair to good visibility but produce excessive glare for oncoming drivers. Uh, And that's why it makes it unsafe because you're driving down the street and the person in front of you that's coming the other direction, you get glaring in their face and they're just going to slam right into you. A Tesla with brights on is pretty bright, but they also avoided collisions in the test tracks at 12 miles and 25 miles an hour. So that's pretty cool. That is. um, I think there's something called the moose test I heard about. The moose test? Moose. Is that like they get a moose? Yeah, they actually make a car go through a obstacle course with cones that simulate mm-hmm. a a larger object like a moose. A moose. And they want to see how fast the car is going uh, and avoiding the moose. Mm. And uh, Audi does really well at that. Tesla's mediocre, but I wonder where the bolt with a B lies. So if you spent all of last week watching the videos that we uh Gave you the link to of Model X's being crashed this week. You can do the same thing and watch the Bolt videos of the Bolt being crashed. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows what car we'll get to watch get crashed next week. Don't write us for like a Prozac prescription for <laughs> helping you deal with the post-traumatic stress of these crash tests. I mean, you can, tests. you can write two-thirds of us for a Prozac prescription because two-thirds of us could actually fulfill that. How long until we have a Model 3 crash I test? Th- you think it's going to come quickly? I, I don't it, know the answer to that question. It took actually. them a long time to crash the X. It did, but this one's 
cheaper. And I, you know, again, I think we've spoken about this in the past. It's sort of they base it on how many people they think are going to buy them, right? So it takes a while. But this one is going to be pretty mass marketed. Yeah. Plus, not each one of them that they crash is going to cost them a hundred thousand dollars. And plus, they're churning them out like no tomorrow. But of course, they have. Half are a million they backloaded. are they turning them out like there's no tomorrow? Yeah, I think uh, have they started churning them out? J.B. Straubel, I think maybe had said somebody had said that they were going to put out a th- they were going to have a thousand ready to go at the uh, launch event at the end of July. Okay, only black interior, only a few choices, no heated seats, and no dual motor. Just the first, you know, basic run. But that's going to make a lot of Tesla employees and SpaceX employees very happy, I think. Yeah, so it's almost the middle of the year. Yeah. And we were told that there would be cars built by the middle of the year. Right. So where are the cars, Robert? Where are the cars? But if you're waiting for your car, you're salivating for your car, there is a fantastic treasure trove of photographs of inside the car, outside the car, including on the mid-screen. And that is from Tesla Roddy that oh. came from UU Shoe. Oh, that's good. Y-O-U-Y-O-U-X-U-E. That's his Twitter handle. So it's from teslarati.com. And as you know, if Mel was here, he would say, we love those guys. And we do because they make articles like this every single day. So in this article, there are many, many, many more images of the Model 3. We had that one interior image popped up on a Reddit form. Yes. And from there... Robert's got it in front of me that's showing... I printed it out and I enlarged it so that I could see what the heck are all the little symbols around the screen. And you picked up on the fact that it was charging. Yeah. And it had charge in the car with a range stated and that it was charging at a certain rate with mm-hmm. a certain amount left to go. I did and math. And that made an indication that you could use symbols like a plus symbol and a division symbol <laughs> and an equals sign i extrapolated but there's so many interesting images so part of the thing that we saw we saw the charge port popping up instead of out right so which it's like i a, like it's like a it's like a hatch instead of a door and it'll protect the port from rain while mm-hmm. it's raining right i think that's why they did it well no? i, I don't like know. It. it i think it's cool it provides a much larger footprint for the plug which might make things easier in places like Europe. Well, it makes sense if you think about it in terms of this. So say you've backed your car, you've backed your Model S into a spot. Mm-hmm. The cable comes from behind the car. There's a chance that the cable could rub up against that port. It's kind of in the way, the, right. the door. Right. This way, the door's out of the way, regardless of where your cable comes from, the front or the back, if you're at full extent. You know, sometimes you're you're at full extension, and maybe that cord will get in the way. This will sort of eliminate that. It also showed, Robert, some cameras and a Mm. rain sensor on the Model 3, which you will probably be pretty happy about because you're always getting soaked by your vehicles. In fact, it happened again today, even though it's not raining in Southern California. But I had cracked the window when I left it overnight at the hospital just to keep the car from overheating. I come out in the morning. The windows are full of moisture because it's moist. Mm. I pushed the windshield wiper, and it sweeps to the left. I forgot the window was cracked, oh. and my leg got wet again. Oh. I know. So looking at this charge port, mm-hmm. you could put two different plugs in this charge port. That's speculation. There you go. There that is, is no, speculation. no more glowing ring around the charge handle when you insert it. So that's one Easter egg that's gone. Yeah. Although maybe they could do it 
the Easter egg where it changes colors and stuff because to the left, just below the the armature of the door handle is a little T. It's lit up green in the picture. Ooh. So we could infer from this mm-hmm. that the little T might go red if there's a problem oh. or blue if you're like waiting to start charging. Like you said, oh, I only want to charge after 6 p.m. and it's 5.50. You plug it in, it says blue, and then nice. it turns to green. So that it's probably the indicator of the charge status going forward. There's speculation out there that this door that opens up or this hatch does not do so automatically. That you have to push it? You have to push it or do it manually, which kind of is in keeping with a middle-of-the-range car, not a luxury car. But I don't I don't know that that's truly the case. Well, there is doesn't appear to be any sort of external magnet button or anything like that on it. So unless that's all hidden behind uh, the plastic, that might be correct. So that, I could see that, that happening. That may or may not be the case because there is this little bump up towards the top right of this little latch that That's as true. you see in this picture but that could be the thing inside that sort of you push it and it activates the lock at the bottom true we're just bsing all oh over the place God. about this little picture i'm so just that's waiting to play with it with my own grubby hands right so that's what happens when they release all of these photos there was a photo of one with a white exterior with black matte wheels uh yes thank you very much i'll take that one those black matte wheels are kind of cool. They're like very nice. quite flat. They look very aerodynamic. They remind me of the like Tesla first stab and an aerodynamic wheel for the Model S. The problem was that they charged like an extra $2,500 for them. Yeah. And after a lot of discussion on the motor, on the Tesla forum, mm-hmm. it turns out they increased your range by maybe 3%. Oh, sounds like a deal. Not- I'll take it. No. You'll take anything. Uh, Any other things that you saw in all the pictures that enticed you, Mr. Tom? I noticed there were only two cup holders up front, and the leather armrest is one piece and not split like the Model S. Is the split still in the current Model S, the new Model S? Yeah, it still splits, but But, it doesn't doesn't open. There's no storage. It just slides to cover the the cup holders and you added even more speculation thinking that maybe it opens for some storage yeah maybe that's the glove box because you know the the whole dash has been really streamlined that's true and i don't know if you could actually put a glove box in that dash it would be really low it probably hit you in the shin here's a question have you ever even put gloves in a glove box uh, maybe once. Interesting. Yeah, and, I've and, never had a pair of gloves in my of driving. Box. No, I've had CDs. Yeah. and fuses. I thought, and maps. I thought we alluded to your royal nature. I thought you <laughs> drove with fine British driving gloves. No, my driver does. Your driver? Well, maybe he keeps them in the glove box. So um, I think that maybe those armrests pop up. I hope that's the case. But let's talk about range. So this thing. Was currently at 95 miles of charge. Okay. Based on the screen. That's right. And it was, it said 50 minutes till full charge, which looked like it was limited to 80%. You know how you set your little slider to not fully charge. It feels like it's around 80%, but that's the one I, sort of variable. That's the one variable that I don't know the answer to. And that's yeah. where the divergence of range information sort of comes from. Right. So, 
That means, and it was charging at 169 miles per hour of charge rate. So 50 minutes at 169 miles per hour is about 140 miles. If you add that to the 95 miles that it currently had, that's 235 miles of range at whatever that range limited is, which uh, for sake of this conversation, we'll call it 80%. And then you add the additional 20% to that and you would get, you know, just under 300 miles approximately. You did some different math. I don't know why why your math is different, but one part of this article said that it was over 300 miles, 312 miles of range and concluded that it was the 75 kilowatt hour battery. And I don't know how they got to 312. Yeah, me neither. I looked at that little bar that you said in the car. I got my calipers out. You did? I very carefully wow. gauged it, and I estimate it's between 85 and 90% of charge rate. There was there was somebody in one of the comments that literally spoke to it about, it's about 10 pixels wide. Yeah. And... And 90 pixels total, and there's two pixels left. Like, they really were breaking it down, trying to glean the charging range. I came up with 271 miles. 271. And yet the Tesla website still says 215 miles of range. Yeah, but how much press is Elon going to get to milk for free of the Model 3 when they reveal it at the end of July? And he says 271 point whatever miles of range. It's it's going to be another stock explosion. Don't a, a buy stock, stock, stock based on my advice because uh, my advice is obviously flawed from the thousands of letters we've received to correct me. So uh, we uh, did. <sighs> so did we get about the same number? Yeah. It just depends on where that bar is actually set. Right. But I think we did the same math. One other thing in the pictures that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. was it showed the all glass roof. It didn't look like there was a panorama or sunroof it looked like it was an all-glass roof but with a bar that travels between the b pillars or just behind the b pillars but that's normal not on my car i got no pillar nothing between the pillars it is glass from the back to the front so that's normal on the sunroof car then yes more or less. But this does not look like a sunroof car because the opening is actually larger and it doesn't have uh, the sort of appearance of sunroof around the edges. Yeah, it looks like the glass just stretches way far. No, that's, I think, lights. Is there, there's the lights, but is that is that middle button? Is that potentially the sunroof button? Well, they haven't talked about any sunroof and I'm going to go back to the pic. They have some outside pictures okay. of the car. So no sunroof. I mean, this... Here in the very front where the they're showing the cameras. Sorry, yeah. it is a radio show. It is. They're yeah. showing the cameras in the rain sensor and what the top of the windshield looks like. It does not look like there is a sunroof in there. It looks like okay. it's just glass meets glass. So go to Teslarati. Check out the photos. Yeah. Do your own range math. Salivate. Bring a towel. <laughs> it looks great. I like I'm the, excited. I like the seat fabric. Yeah. I think that's cool. Hopefully it will arrive in black. I wonder if it's black. the vegan. So black, vegan. White exterior, matte black wheels. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're listening over there at tesladesigncenter.com, that's mine. Yeah, just send it on over. <laughs> just, just make We'll it be here recording the show for how many hours longer, God <laughs> knows. But Tom's ready for his car. Okay, uh, so next article is from Wired.com. We're going to talk about autonomous driving. So it turns out in the interim between... Simultaneously fixing and destroying our healthcare system, the U.S. Congress has decided to spend a little bit of time 
regulating autonomous driving. A full seven years after Google started developing robocars and 13 months after a Florida man died in a Tesla Model S that was driving itself and a year after self-driving Ubers started picking up passengers in Pennsylvania's Congress might actually start regulating autonomous vehicles. Well, you know what? They've been busy. Yes. For some reason, all of a sudden, it seems that both sides of the aisle have grabbed onto this topic and they are like moving forward. It's like, thank goodness, unbelievable. It's a it's a word. Here's a, it's a very rare word in American politics. Bipartisan. Amazing. Bipartisan. Everybody loves it. It sounds great. You know, we can make the roads safer. We can open up uh, vehicle transport to the blind and the elderly who don't drive and other people who are impaired. Uh, it's like going to bring jobs to the United States. It's going to make the roads safer. It's like apple pie and hot dogs or baseball <laughs> or you name it. It. I wouldn't necessarily say anything coming out of the U.S. Senate is American like apple pie, but, you know, whatever. It's a 14-bill package that is supposed to make it easier for federal regulators to make the rules. So the federal regulators get the guidelines, and they set the rules that the rest of us have to follow. And Congress wants to shred the patchwork of rules and regulation and blanket the nation in uniform guidelines that allow the technology to develop while making sure everyone stays safe. Because if California has one rule about autonomous driving, yes. and then that car happens to go into Nevada, they, well, have, their own set of they have their own set of rules, and maybe the, you're out of compliance, uh, but who knows how that would work. The problem is they don't fit into the current regulatory structures. The Department of Transportation currently dictates how vehicles are built, right? Airbags, right. seatbelts, crumple zones, stuff like that. But states regulate their operation with licensing, insurance, and traffic laws. Right. right? So, so that's sort of, very, very different. I wonder how the states that don't want federal regulation to be on their back are right. going to respond to and, this. And since there was no federal oversight, California, Nevada, and Michigan – Three states uh, currently involved in car production mm-hmm. and right? autonomous. Not vehicles. that they're the only three states, but and autonomous vehicles had made their own rules, and each of them takes a different approach. They also increased the exemptions from twenty five hundred cars to a hundred thousand cars in in a region or by a manufacturer, so that they can get more experimental and they can do like make cars without a brake pedal or a steering wheel. Which yeah. at present they can't do in large numbers. No, they can't because they're limited. So they'll be holding a hearing, Energy and Commerce, uh, later this month. And there's speculation that there could be a bill introduced or potentially even passed by the end of July, which might coincide with the release of a Model 3. Hmm. Interesting. Convenient. It is. And if Model 3 has all the the tools on it, which we're led to believe that it does for autonomous driving, Uh that would only speed the Tesla sharing network and Tesla fully autonomous driving. Maybe that's why uh, Elon thinks that they can do a November or December L.A. to New York trip. Yeah. And I do wonder if they're going to charge the full $9,000 or $8,000 additional for the autopilot on the Model 3. I'm sure it'll be less expensive. There's, I don't see why they would. And, you know, they've Tesla's always used the the 
expensive cars to subsidize everything that was coming yeah. down the road, even though arguably but if it's a system, it's a system, right? So like just right. because the Model Three is four inches shorter, it's not going to need two less cameras. Well, when they're buying that Nvidia supercomputer that goes in the glove box, yeah. it's probably going to be considerably less expensive if you order five hundred thousand of them versus fifty thousand of them. So if I called Nvidia right now and was like, "Hey, I need five hundred thousand uh, widgets." They're going to be like, well, it would give you a good deal on that. And then if I was like, call them back a week later and said, oh, I only need 50,000 widgets. Can I have them for the same price? They'd tell me no. Yeah. Probably so. And As maybe, they should. Maybe the three is constructed in such a way that mm-hmm. it takes them 15 minutes to install that computer. They just pop off a cover near the glove box region, even mm-hmm. though we said there may not be a glove box. And they could just plug this computer in, which is maybe a few thousand dollars so that the three actually doesn't have it unless you buy it and then if you want you can add it on and it's just kind of a plug-in they might even do it in the rover service rover rover but the nice thing about this is maybe this could be the thing that finally pushes our legislators to work together they get together Mm. over autonomous vehicles and they realize gosh darn it we like each other let's get things done it could be the hall, the start of just a, a path of bipartisanship that blankets the land. It sounds lovely, but we vowed not to talk about politics. So let's talk about China. Did I win? China. I think I may have won the easiest gamble in the world because I got to pick first. That's right. I see the, the $5 bill sitting over there next to the mixer board. Yeah. And this was in regards to where the next gigafactory would be built. And I picked China yeah. <laughs> because I picked first. Uh, And this was a story from TheVerge.com, and Tesla has confirmed it is in talks with the Chinese government to open a factory in the Shanghai region to further the promise of Elon Musk to produce 500,000 cars a year by 2018. Which he's already kind of on the path to do. We don't know. So the Chinese plant might just produce another million cars. We just don't know. We don't know how many cars they can really pump out of. We've talked about it a lot. Right. How many cars they can pump out of that factory. We don't know. It never got to that high. Yes. Uh, so, According to The Verge, this would help them avoid a 25% tariff on cars they import to China. Which is a big deal. Well, so they've gotten around this in Europe because they ship the car separate from the, the drivetrain. Mm-hmm. And they assemble them. I'm I'm thinking it's in the Netherlands, but somebody's going to correct me. Probably. Yeah. And so uh, because the cars come to Europe not as a drivable vehicle, they Mm -hmm. are not uh, subject to the same import tariffs. They're just parts. They're parts, and they get assembled there. So why won't they do that in China? Don't know. But the Chinese market is so enormous. Because the Chinese people are not stupid. They don't fall for fake little final assembly situations. I see what you're saying. Right. But there was also... Not uh, that the people of the EU are stupid, but it was probably a loophole that Tesla sort of found a workaround. So they took advantage of a situation in the law. I was saying that there was a story that Mm -hmm. I heard in which Tesla might be able to get the Chinese government to relax their import tariffs to further electric vehicle adoption. So I don't know. I guess this could go both ways. I can't see... Uh, any way around them not having a factory in Asia. They have to have a factory in Asia, at least one, if not many. Yeah. They're talking about India. So, you know, gigafactories are spreading. We know that. 
The like, question is, like wildfire. which one is going to open and make the first car? Then we can distribute the $15. <laughs> Kwang Dong. What does that mean? Drive electric. Oh, very nicely done. Very, very cool. Uh, next on the list is your favorite subject and Mel's. <laughs> Definitely Mel's favorite Superchargers. Subject. Yeah, that's why we always have stories on superchargers. And this story we had to do while Mel was still out of town because I feel like it would drive him berserko. Yeah, well, and right I'm now. I'm curious how it's going to, how it's affected you. I think he might actually. Uh, not be so upset because we, while he's been gone, have announced a lot of supercharger openings. We have, but yeah. not very many around here. But Not this... enough to include all of the BMWs, Audis, and Mercedes-Benz that could charge on the Tesla network. So in this article from Electric, J.B. Strubble, CTO of uh, one company we talk about occasionally, uh, Tesla, said that They've been talking about the possibility of opening their supercharger network actively, actively to other car makers. That is, that did send a collective chill down the <laughs> spine of Tesla owners. He was at this big gathering a in, gathering. yeah, I think it was in it was in the Midwest, Wisconsin or mm-hmm. Milwaukee. I can't remember where. And people were invited to this uh, sort of alternative energy conference, and he was the keynote speaker. And he dropped this bomb that Tesla's been working on this. Everything else that's come out from that is complete speculation. Is it possible that? Tesla is going to ask for a bunch of money up front and then expand the supercharger network on this. Uh, how much are they going to charge? How are people going to adapt non-Tesla cars to the Tesla supercharger? What if a car can only accept a charge at like 60 kilowatts uh, rate as opposed to 120 kilowatt? Does that mean they're going to be at the charger twice as long to fill up? It opens up a whole can of Oh, worms. Better than a can of whoop-ass, if you know what I'm saying. Boom! No? No. Nothing? I don't know. They've been talking about this for a while. Tesla Elon mentioned this in 2015 that they were in talks with auto manufacturers. I feel like these are probably not the same talks. And so the other interesting thing about this is Tesla joined the CCS Charging Standard Association, which means they plan to take steps to promote the system. Yeah. If you look at the plan for Tesla to spread EV adoption, then it makes total sense that if Tesla has this robust network needing to be considerably more robust to handle, you know, as many vehicles as are on the roads right now, I mean, ICE vehicles, that it's a great start. They've got the technology is proven. They've worked out probably most of the bugs. They're maybe even working on a bigger Uh, a battery with a bigger charge rate Mm -hmm. and they can pump more energy. I mean, they're working on all these systems. I think as long as they stay cognizant of those of us who have been using the network and want to have convenience and reliability and availability, as long as they keep that all in mind, I'm all for it. And this week we have some new superchargers. Do we? Are any of them around here? Only one of them in the United States of America. And we're going to take a trip around supercharging with Robert. So in Ludington, Michigan, it's a small town. It's on the edge of the lake, and it's probably a throughput uh, supercharger. And now it's got a supercharger. Yeah. It's a site. So it's that's a pretty cool. place to go. Yeah. How about Denmark? Denmark's cool. Yeah. Head instead, 16 stalls. Huge. That's pretty good size. Huge. Yeah. It's just north, though, of Middlefart. 
Sounds like a supercharger. Again, thankfully, Mel's not here. Yeah. So there's a new supercharger in France. Do you want to give this one a shot? Valencien. Thank you. It's at the northern end of France, right at the border of Belgium. It's a renowned center for the production of lace. That's cool. There's also a new supercharger in Spain, Grion, Spain. It's a major Catalonian center, about 60 miles northeast of Barcelona. So Tanum, Sweden, it's in the West. It's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Ooh, that's cool. So this would be a really cool place to get your supercharger to because this place has a proliferation of petroglyphs from the Bronze Age. There is a lot of them, and they show all kinds of really complicated pictures with people and ships and animals, oxen and horses, and maybe the more interesting and or odd thing about Tanum, Sweden which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing correctly, is that the municipality is one of the first dedicated to combating the looming global shortage of phosphorus. I didn't even know we had a shortage of phosphorus. I didn't know that either. But I'm going to move on to Korea because there are two new superchargers in Korea. You know, Tesla launched Model S in Korea Mm -hmm. and it's going gangbusters, opening up superchargers all over the peninsula Uh in Daegu which is in sort of the middle south east part of the country. Mm-hmm. It's called Apple City. Nice. And it's a big university town. They also opened up a supercharger in Yoido. The Yoido, Yoido District. Which is the main financial and investment banking district in Seoul, Korea. And if anybody out there knows how to actually pronounce this city, please feel free to send us a letter. And we apologize <laughs> for butchering your hometown if that's where you're from. We, yeah. we mean no harm. What's next? We had a big weekend in in space. Yeah, now we can finally get to the doubleheader. So did you see any SpaceX activity this week? I did. I watched uh, yesterday's live launch of the Iridium Next constellation. Yes. Uh, Satellites 11 through 20 were deployed. So that's the second launch this weekend. That's correct. On Friday, they launched BulgariaSat. Which Mm -hmm. was supposed to go off last weekend from Florida, but they had a problem with a valve on the fairing cover of the satellite. Don't I know it, brother. Yes, and it's a good thing we didn't fly back to Florida to see that. Good thing. And so, doubleheader, Bulgaria Sat-1, first Bulgarian satellite, launched on a reused Falcon 9. So this was the second reused Falcon 9 to go up. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? What's interesting? It was launched on the same Falcon 9 booster that carried Iridium 1 through 10. So the Bulgarian satellite went up on the first stage that carried the first 10 Iridium satellites. From Vandenberg in January. That is so adorable. This is almost like trying to understand a family tree. <laughs> your cousin is actually the mother uh, of your, you know, what? It's nothing like that. It's just a couple of rocket ships. Now, they're not using reflown rockets as of yet. To launch any of these Iridium satellites. Right. But they're not ruling it out. Right. Because it's becoming more and more proven. The Bulgarian satellite went up. It went off without a hitch. They landed. Uh So a re-re-landing. A re-reuse. Of the Falcon first stage. And it came down gloriously on a uh, barge out in the Atlantic Ocean. And then the launch yesterday, Yesterday. Sunday, Mm -hmm. of the Iridium Next landed in the Pacific Ocean, kind of off Tijuana, the coast of Tijuana. Well, it didn't land in the ocean. It landed on a barge that was in the ocean. But they used new fins. 
Oh. They use titanium uh, waffle fins. I guess they call them grid fins, but yeah. to me they look kind of like a waffle iron. Whatever But they takes, look buddy. big, mm-hmm. and they're all changed. People are really going back and forth with Elon. Look, what are the little points on it and the waviness of it? And mm-hmm. so evidently they've made a new version that is more uh, efficient, mm-hmm. easier to control the aircraft, as it's plummeting down towards Earth, and plummeting. it's made out of made out of titanium, so they will not burn up. And Elon said they worked better than they expected, yeah. and they should last forever. Forever. Yeah. So they only have to make one time this, what must be an extremely expensive fin. Yeah. And this is so that they can eventually get to the point of relaunching rockets within 24 hours. Eventually. That's what he said. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Isn't that awesome? He says, we're not even going to bother to repaint them. We're just going to land them, fuel them, or check them, fuel them, launch them again. I don't even understand why they paint them now. Yeah. Because they always come back covered in black or... Yeah. I wonder what happens if they power wash it, if it makes a difference. The paint worn off of them. Or burnt, just a bunch of burnt stuff. But it was pretty cool to see that happen. And eventually we're going to get a rocket that goes up that has flown and landed nine times. That's amazing That'd to think. That would be pretty cool. I guess every time this happens... So when the Bulgaria sat went up, and I watched it on the web feed, I was uh, I was kind of a little ac- anxious, apprehensive. Mm-hmm. I had a, kind of a knot in my stomach because I'm thinking, really? wow, it's gone up. Uh, this is the second time it's gone up, and the second time it's landed. That just makes me think that there's more chance of failure. But yeah. they pulled it off. It's becoming yeah. routine. And the same thing uh, – and, and as well, the Bulgaria sat, I guess, had to go into a high orbit. It was a heavy mm-hmm. satellite. So when it landed, it landed hard. I saw it was one almost of the, out of fuel. Yeah. I saw one of the pictures. The legs are splayed out more. I guess it crumpled more. They're probably not going to use that one again. And the uh, rocket actually looked like it was tipped a little bit. I think it's internal crumpling. Yeah. I think the big deal is the engines. Right. To be able to reuse the engine. So even if they have to put them on a new fuselage, as okay. it were, then I think they still save a lot of money. As long as the engines don't get damaged, they're in business. They yeah. are doing a very, 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 very massive amount of launches in the next 12 months for Iridium. They have six more launches planned in the next 12 months. Right. To get up uh, their package of 66 satellites. They've already done nine launches this year. Pretty darn good. There's another one, and it's going to be on the 4th of July. Or at least that's the speculation possible. Yeah, people are speculating that how can they launch a rocket on the 4th of July? Because there are federal employees who may not want to work on the 4th of July. How can they do that? But on the other hand, what better a 4th of July fireworks show than to watch a Falcon 9 fly into space. Is this going to be from Florida or from Vandenberg? It is going to be from Launch Complex 39A. They're going to uh, launch the Intellisat 35E into a geostationary transfer orbit. And it's going to replace Intellisat 903. I don't know where they get these numbers. I didn't love 903. 903 is 15 years old. It was launched on a proton rocket once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't know the full details, but it's a pretty heavy satellite, 6,000 kilograms around there. That is. And uh, we don't expect that they're going to try and land this thing because they're going into a high orbit Mm -hmm. with a heavy satellite. Mm -hmm. And that's typically a no-return 
possibility. So we'll look for landing legs and grid fins to see at launch if they're going to bring it back, but they're probably going to let us know. So you think they're going to fly it without landing legs? Yeah. So if they're not planning on recovering the rocket, they they don't put legs on and they don't put the fins on. Look at that. So we'll know. We'll know on on the launch pad. So some interesting statistics. This is the 12th time SpaceX has successfully landed one of these rocket stages out of 17 attempts. Fantastic. This rocket flew in January, as you stated earlier, when it put 10 satellites into orbit. This landing wasn't easy because it had much more force and heat than other Falcon 9s. And SpaceX hasn't lost a rocket in a landing attempt since early last summer. With today's success, and by today I mean yesterday's yes. <laughs> success. Or the day the before yesterday. has now landed Eight rockets in a row. Now I think it's nine rockets in a row dated back to that June explosion, except for launches where there wasn't enough fuel left over for an attempt. So that's pretty impressive. They are getting very good at it. Yesterday's was super cool. Mm -hmm. It went through like a little bit of a marine layer and then boom, landed right in the barge. A little bit off center, but still very mellow. You could watch the thing firing. They have good camera angles on all of this stuff. Very, very exciting stuff. This never, it's become routine, Yeah. but it never feels like it's routine. It's always exciting to me. You know what was super cool? No. Is that, uh, you know, it was an instantaneous launch window. So literally you could walk outside, it launches. Within about 30 seconds, you start seeing a little red flare. And then it gets up a little higher, and then you see a like a smoke trail behind it, and then it disappears all within maybe two minutes. So what did I do? I was at work. Yeah. I got everybody settled. People around me knew. You know, I have my little cell phone. I walk outside so they mm-hmm. can call me. And I stood outside. I had a two-minute moment of zen nice. with the Falcon 9 from Vandenberg. And, and I turned around, and there were like six people behind me. I went, oh, what are you looking at? Oh, my God, look at that. It's cool to watch it's inspiring. that stuff people. It's, what's fun is... I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and we watched the launch and landing together on the telephone. Mm -hmm. I have done that with several people. It's kind of a cool thing to share with people. So the next time one of these happens, call someone, watch the stream together, bring your kids in, bring your grandma in, somebody who watched Apollo maybe or saw Neil Mm -hmm. Armstrong land on the moon. It kind of – it's invigorating. And SpaceX has gotten quite good at their webcast. Yeah like production they do they have a little timeline on the bottom you can see what's happening mm-hmm. they give little inserts and information they interview the people who were doing the intellisat and they were talking about it's true you know how they're going to make it so that this system can keep track of airplanes in real time so there won't be any well there may be but they're less likely to have any episodes where planes just you know passenger planes big planes just disappear let's hope yes Hey, Tom, it's time for letters. We only got one letter this week, right? <laughs> yes, and that letter came from Patrick Reed, and he wanted to know where Mel was. We mentioned he's in Africa. He's no longer in Africa, but we did mention he was in Africa. He is not hunting big game, and he is also not doing Doctors Without Borders, but he's doing something similar to that. He believe, I believe he has a friend who's running a clinic or his wife has a friend who's running a clinic, he'll be back. He can explain the whole thing to you, Patrick. In detail. And I'm sure he would, and I'm sure he will. I wonder if he saw any uh, stalking lions while he was there. Next week, it'll be mum's the word, though. Mum. 
Norman Gray did write us, so we have two letters this week. Oh wait, hold on. There's there's a whole list of letters here. Is there? You made you you scared me. Silly, silly. He Norman sent us a story about light post charging, which was kind of going back and forth in our Twitter. We got some notifications uh-huh. of a photo of it in the Twitter, and I was yep. like, "What is that thing? Why is it?" It looked really interesting. There was this kind of yellow cord, and there was this box, and mm-hmm. it was like there was plugs, and we were thinking, "Oh, is this going to get stolen?" And all of yeah. a sudden, Norman sends us a YouTube link, which we'll put in the show notes, mm-hmm. with this great video with, uh, and it was from uh, Fully Charged. Fully Charged. I can't remember his name, but he was like a Fully a, a space uh, creature. Uh, Android in a television series, which all has gone straight out of my head. (laughs) But he's a very nice, very energetic fellow. And he interviews the people who created this light post charging system in Germany that's now deployed in West London. So instead of putting a box on a light pole, you just put an outlet on a light pole. And then you carry around this cable. And on this cable is a box that is attached to your utility, your electrical utility account. Yes. And you plug it in one end into the light pole. Yes. The other end into your vehicle. And you get charged through your normal utility bill. It's pretty sweet. The little box actually has like a cell connection and a meter within. And they found that this was the most economical and useful way to bridge this gap. So they can go, essentially what I figured out is they can go to any light post, Mm -hmm. at least in Europe. They have these on anyone, old ones, new ones. Mm -hmm. All the light posts have like an access door. Somewhere in the lower part of the light pole. Yeah. They have a fitting that will go over that, you know, replace the access door. Mm -hmm. You go in, you change the lights to LED. Boom. Which reduces the power consumption ginormous. Ginormous. Like like one-tenth, one-hundredth. Order of magnitude less. Orders of magnitude less. And then the extra energy can be pumped into your car. They only get about five kilowatts or 16 amps of power out of this thing, which is not bad. And their little cover that replaces has a lift-up lid. You plug, it's a proprietary plug, their cord into it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't receive electricity until the little meter box gives the correct signal. And you plug the other end into your car. Both ends lock so nobody can rip off the cord. Nice. And you don't really have to do anything. The owner that he interviewed with a red Model X said he just got this thing in the mail once he had an account. He plugged it in and boom, no codes, no nothing. It was all done over the Wi-Fi or with his email. And it works great. It works really well if you're like plugging in overnight. And in this one town in West London... I didn't write the name down. looks like a nice place. They said that they installed three times more of these light pole plugs than people requested when they put out a request for uh, electric vehicle infrastructure. I mean, the great thing about this is there are light poles everywhere, Robert. And they all have energy going to them. That's how it works. Well, not all of them. There are a few that don't. No, even the ones that don't have light, my guess is it's the bulb that's out and the energy is still going <laughs> there to There are some in a few places I've been that have a battery pack way up on the pole with a solar panel and a light. And these are completely that's not true. connected to the grid. So ex- excluding those, there are no, well, let's exclude those. jillions of light poles out there. That's not a word. 
I don't think there's jillions of them, but they are everywhere. Let's call them ubiquitous. It's electricity everywhere. And this is pretty interesting because, again, you don't even need a light pole. You just need power anywhere. And they say that they can install these things and retrofit the streetlights for like one-tenth the cost of installing a separate charging bollard. So if those charging things are 400 bucks, right, this is 40 bucks. Right. If they're 500 bucks... 50 bucks. I could continue on These this guys, path because I can do one-tenth all day long. I wonder if this is an investment opportunity. It could be. All right. Our next letter comes from Shanta Robinson, and she said, Thank you, Tom and Robert, for this week's episodes. As you were going through the mailbag, I briefly heard Mike Nugent's name mentioned, and he was surprised because he had she had recently heard him on So Money uh, podcast episode 576. Whoa. Oh, my God. That's so many. Could you imagine spending that much time together in this hot room? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, I can't imagine. And I hope we get there someday. But she recommends that we talk to Ed Begley Jr. She does. And it's it's a good point, to be honest with you, because Ed has been probably the the leader of this, at least in, in this area, yeah. for many years. Ed has had TV shows about renewable energy. He writes books. He speaks on it. He's super passionate. I watched a show where Ed wanted to make some toast, yes. and he got on an on a exercise bike to power the toaster. Whoa, that takes a lot of energy. Right. He is full on, and he lives... On the show, one of the episodes of the show, he lives near Bill Nye, the science guy, and uh-huh. the two of them kind of go back and forth about, uh, you know, which is more efficient ways to do things. I met, I met him at the uh, Ed? National Drive Electric Week yeah. event. So that's true. Ed's an inspiration. Yeah. Chris Benson. These are Patreon posts. So Chris is a Patreon subscriber? That is correct. Thanks, Chris. Shout out. You're helping us produce... A better show. And Chris wants to hear more about carbon offset options. And when I purchase carbon offsets for companies yes, when that I work for, yes. we use TerraPass. Okay. So they finance all kinds of carbon and environmental programs. And if you go to their website, you can see all of the programs that they use. They have an auditing program. An independent auditor comes in and says, yes, you've made these projects based on these amount of investments that people have done. So... Uh, we're not getting sponsored by TerraPass, but I have used TerraPass. And Chris, there's a lot of information on their website. But if you do use TerraPass, Chris, you should tell them that they should become a sponsor of <laughs> Talking should, Tesla. Yeah. And enjoy your, your trip to Kipton. And then Joel Sapp said, thanks for the shout out. He thought we might be mad about him using our logo on the shirts. No. We were not. No. We love the shirt. And he liked the one he sent me the best, of course, because... It was for me. He sent it to you, and he says he didn't even get one for himself yet. I know. I feel bad. We're going to have to give Joel a, 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 I don't know, send him something. And then apparently we we put a, we we posted a picture of a very, very dirty ex. That was Mel. (laughs) Because we have a water shortage. And he wants to know whether or not we wash our cars, and the answer is no. We don't because we don't have any water. Well, you know, I tried some of that uh, washless water Mm -hmm. stuff. Actually, you need a cup of water. How'd that work out? Meh. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, I if like, you do it often, uh-huh. like every, every day, day <laughs> yeah. and if you don't have dried bird poop on your car, mm-hmm. it works 
probably quite well. But yeah. if I used a cup of water every day to wash my car, I um, I would probably still use less water. I vacillate back and forth between using like a mobile car wash place, which there are a lot of them where I where I work. So it's super, super convenient. But like all of that water and soap and stuff goes into the storm drain. So I don't love that. Right. The so car... I don't use them. So yeah. I don't really vacillate. Or going to the car washes, which are much more regulated yes. and recycle the water yes. and filter out the stuff and so, do all that good stuff. As long stuff, as they don't so. have brushes that scrape yeah, the no, paint. It's all hand washing. Yeah. And then Sean Evans sent us an email about our Slacker radio conversation where we said you can't reset it. And you had the exciting workaround to dislike every song if you bought a used Tesla to just go through it and listen to every song and dislike it until it reset to what you liked. And he says you can just ask Tesla for the login information and then they'll manage them online. Yeah, he said just go to the Slacker website Mm -hmm. and use your Tesla login information, which Mm -hmm. I think I remember seeing in some screen somewhere on the on the uh, Tesla. But, you know, just ask Tesla, he says, and then you can go in there and you can swipe everything clean, start fresh and enjoy your music. And don't be stuck listening to Death Rock. Don't be stuck. And then Diego Covedo sent us yet another link for a Model 3 delivery estimator. And every time I do one of these and have a conversation with my friend, he is like, what is wrong with you? This is ridiculous. This is based on absolutely nothing. He actually asked me if I would be willing to pay a dollar for one of these estimators because he was like, I'll just make one because it's basically the same information. But I said, no, it's not the same information because if you can aggregate enough data, you might actually be able to get some information. So this one came from teslanomics.co, Model 3 Delivery Estimator. I went in, put in my information. I got October 9th as a Hmm. delivery estimate. That's not very far from now. No, it isn't. Are you excited? Yes. What if it can only be black seats? Uh, Okay. And uh, size battery? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I just put it in, and it says, start over. You're, oh. oh, it says, no, your report is almost ready. I have to give him my email address. Wah, 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 wah. Let's move on. Please. Pierre Ukelo. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Printed photovoltaic panels. Wow. Oh, my God. I love this article. Is that cool? I went to this website, and so there was this... Uh, one place, CSEM. It's a Swiss research center. Who is printing photos on solar panels. Let's call them photovoltaic panels. These are pretty cool. So I don't know what the process is, but there are these images. So imagine this. You could cover the whole side of the building in a cool mural. And they recommended, you know, they talk. he talks about advertising in this particular thing. Yes. But just imagine just artistic art murals on the side of your building. Yes. Now, you would sort of live with it for the life of these panels. Uh, and that's probably the only downside unless you really love the image. But, man, this was really cool. Imagine... Uh, just roofs all over the country just with like artist murals or even if you really didn't like the way that your solar panels look because some people have issues with that you could have them print your roof on it yeah this would be kind of neat because it might double a lot of uh, buildings they have to put like indicators on the roof that this is you know a particular address like on the top of fire departments and they could do it and generate electricity at the same time yeah i think there's such a cool possibility for this i like the top uh, at the top of the press release for this organization it says smile 
Your photos can generate energy. <laughs> so go check it out at csem.ch. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of cool information and lots of lots of fun stuff happening in the world of solar panels. The next letter came from Jason Holman in regards to supercharging. And I know we talked about this at some point. Wasn't there, he asked, isn't there a way to see how much of the charging you do is supercharging? Yeah, that information is there. It's in logs. Uh, there's a way to access the logs. Someone sent us a link. It's been at least 20 shows, and I never got around to doing it because I, at the time, this was back in December, yeah. just decided to get a Tesla before the cutoff date, right. which uh, now I could have gotten 100D with <laughs> lifetime supercharging. Let it go, Robert. <sighs> um, so he's had his car for almost two years in Texas, and they don't even know if they get close. They only supercharge five times a year. My guess is that they don't get close if they're only supercharging right. five times a year. And the price to supercharge from Tesla is really a fraction of what it costs yeah. to fill your car with gasoline. Maybe yeah. it's $12 to fill up a 90 car, a 90 kilowatt hour car. $12? Yeah. So, I mean, like. How if, could it be $12? Does that make sense? For yeah, electricity? About right. yeah. yeah. So, my recommendation, Jason, if you want to do the play and get that, uh, get down to what's your history, is look back in our show notes. Just scan through December and maybe the early part of January. That's when we were arguing all about this. <laughs> and Tom was belittling me and telling me I was that ridiculous. Was I remember that yeah. part of it. Yeah. You don't have to listen to the show to hear all that nonsense. <laughs> but the show notes should have the link in there. The show notes. It's, it's within the letters. Yeah. And Jason's an ER doc, and I met him at Essentials. He came up and said hi, listens to the show two years in a row. He's nice. come and said hi, and he had a great time at Essentials of Emergency Medicine in May. And we're doing it again in May. I don't know if you knew that. You won't come because you're an ASAP guy. No, oh. I'd like to go. Oh, you should come. Yeah. You should flash me the dates and I'll come and I'll heckle you. <laughs> the next letter comes from Jeremy Washington. Hey, Jeremy. And uh, he says even Mel can't butcher his name. Jeremy, come on, Jeremy. Mel could definitely butcher your name. I mean, he might not, but he wouldn't. He might use the Scottish accent. And he, hey, Jeremy. Jeremy's an emergency done. medicine PA who also went to Essentials of Emergency Medicine. So it's Whoa. not doctors. It's like incestuous. I'm sorry? There's like an incestuous quality here. <laughs> There's nothing incestuous about quality medical education. <laughs> that is re But he wants to become a member of the Talking Tesla Black Caucus and I think he should get a shirt, but I don't I don't we don't control the membership of Talking Tesla Black Caucus. So Joel Jeremy, Jeremy, Joel, hey, you guys should hook up and talk to each other. If uh, Jeremy, if you're cool with us uh, giving Joel your contact information, we will do that. I'm sure he'd love to have you. And I, he think asked that, an actual... I think he's already asking for it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just cut and paste his name and email, and I'm going to mail it to Joel Sapp. All right. Yeah. There you go. You do the next letter while I do this. Well, I'm going to finish this letter because he actually oh, yeah, has yeah. an interesting question. He lives in a one-bedroom apartment with no attached garage oh, and right. is a Model 3 a reservation holder. So he asked an interesting question. He's considering moving into a different complex with a garage, which would make him pay two to $300 more a month, which is a considerable amount of money. Uh, a, to shield his car from the Ohio snow, and B, to be able to charge more easily. Mm -hmm. His current apartment manager told him he could get a cone to put in front of his apartment parking spot, which my guess is like adjacent to his home. Mm -hmm. to his apartment right uh and then he could uh charge out of his front window and his medical director offered to give him a 40-foot charge cord he used to charge his model s right medical directors are lovely human beings 
Yeah, but the question is whether or not he mm-hmm. wants to actually leave the window open and when he would do that. You know, it's right. not too hard to run a cord. You want to make sure nobody's going to trip over it. Yeah. And I completed my video, the long expected video. Oh, my goodness. You did? Robert's Frunk. I'm excited. Junk in the Frunk. I can't wait to see it. So check out the video and you will see... Um, some of the cords and some of the extension devices I have and some of my tricks. Mm-hmm. And you may very well do that. I don't know that it's worth $300 a month, though, unless... Yeah, I mean, uh, the yeah. important thing about that is if the A part of it, where you want to uh, shield it from the snow, is important enough to you, then sure, I would say go for it. But I'll also say this. Because you're going to have so much range, somewhere between 215 and 312, according to different calculations on this very show, you may... You might not need to charge at home, especially if you're working 10-hour shifts in a hospital and there's a plug there or you need a supercharger. Because my guess is over the course of a five-day five day work week, maybe you have 40 hours that you could plug in at work, you're probably going to get enough to take care of most of your driving needs. So you might not need to charge at home. So I would kind of specifically look at whether or not you can charge at work. Uh, and if you can, you really, with, with a Tesla, the nice thing is you really just need to have one solid place that you can charge most of the time. If that's your home, it's your home. And then you have a decision to make. Uh, if it's at work, it's at work. If you have a supercharger, then honestly, I would just do what Robert does and just use the supercharger either near your house or near your work. Agreed. And you'll see it, you know, it probably you will adapt to your electric car yeah. so well that moving to another location, you know, do it if it makes your life happy or if you really, really, really want to protect your car from the snow and the salt and such. But I probably wouldn't. And Brian Griffo sent an email, the next email, and he has a question. SpaceX as a company is private and successful under the Musk empire. Musk empire. I like that. And he's wondered if Tesla ever needed SpaceX's money or support. Would it be possible or is that financial commingling? And I think the answer is SpaceX is private. Musk can do what he wants. But to give money to Tesla, he would need to get the board to approve a round of financing, and then he would need to purchase it, right? Because anything that he invests into Tesla would dilute it. And if you're talking about can he buy stock, that doesn't necessarily give Tesla working capital by purchasing stock unless he purchases it directly from Tesla. So he would need permission from the board to do stuff like that because of the dilutional aspect. Right, because there's like thousands Um, of SpaceX employees who have stock – in SpaceX, even though it's not publicly traded, they have it and they have a say. And even some of those people, I, I don't know if they maintain their stock once they leave SpaceX, but I mean, it's a big universe of people who have SpaceX stock, though I'm sure Tesla, I'm sure uh, Elon has the majority of it. He also sends us some cool pictures from his travels. I wonder what the Nikola Tesla gastropub serves. Electroburgers? Electroburgers. And uh, they don't sell French fries, they sell. Uh, Proton, proteinies? Proton fries. <laughs> proteinies? Proteinies. Uh, the next letter comes from Andrew Kremer, and he has a couple of questions. He's not a big fan of the media app of the pick of the week, which uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, didn't exist this week. Pretty sweet. But he does like the <laughs> but he does like the plug share app that Robert mentioned a while back. So and it he, had a benefit. It did have a benefit. It did. And he talked about putting in charging equipment at the home. 
uh, and it turns out the federal government has a tax credit. But you noted that that tax credit ended in January 1st of 2017. Yeah, that's why we talked about it in December. And I actually went at the yeah. very end of December and bought myself a Tesla wall charger. Finally. Which... So no more Culver City superchargers for you. Oh, boy, Tom. It's just <laughs> you're on it. He also mentions windmills and that he loves them and all kinds of other sustainability things. So thank you very, very much for that letter. Stephen Peters sent us a letter, and that name rang a bell Bing! as the guy who currently holds the world's record for the longest drive on a single charge in a Tesla. Didn't he let us know that last week? He did. Yeah. He sent us another one. I hope he's that recovered. That is a link to his blog post, silverlining.be. Oh, my goodness. I read this whole blog post. Yeah. This was actually very difficult for them. It got very, very hot, up to 95 degrees in the car. They had the windows rolled down. They got pulled over by a cop one time. Yeah. Because they had the word test in their back window. And... The cop pulled him over thinking they were testing autonomous driving. And when right. they told him what they were doing, he actually radioed in the rest of his uh, co-workers uh, so they wouldn't pull over this car while they were on their loop. So pretty cool. I wonder how many more miles they might have been able to go had they not needed to stop that extra time yeah. and get back up to speed, which I think was pretty slow. And he also said – no, he said that 40 kilometers an hour was the sweet spot. Like they did some at 42 like and miles some an at hour. 38. And he really noticed the that 40 seemed to have been like the sweet spot, which is pretty good. That's yeah, that's not, that's not super slow. 24 miles an hour, I recall being uh, the number used by uh, the fellow who had done it in Florida. I'm sorry, his name escapes me. But um, I think that's really awesome. I wonder what would happen because he used a performance P100 uh -huh. D. Yeah. What if he only had a 100 D? And what if he, like, took out things like the divider in the trunk and the shelf that covers the trunk and, of course, don't bring the charging cable along. Really strip it down. Yeah. Get somebody to drive who's only, like, 4'11 and weighs 90 pounds, like a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even remove the passenger uh, seat. That he would went, be cheating. He, he had a buddy. I don't think the guy who went the first time had a buddy with him. No, he had a son with him. Did they switch off driving as well? I don't know. I think the son might have been too young to drive. Because they stopped to switch off drivers and, right. and stuff like that. So Unless they took, put it in autonomous and climbed over one another, but that wouldn't be so safe. They, Although They used a lot of cruise control. 24 miles an hour. I sure would. Yeah. Oh, my God. But so they did it, and the post is amazing. And that's it, Robert. That's the end of the show. So if you're, It's over already? It's over. It's done, Robert. It's you so much get... better with the door open. We're sitting here in the Talking Tesla studios. Mm -hmm. Let me just explain. We're opposing one another. Uh -huh. There is a fan Most in of the here. time we are opposing one yeah, another. Yeah, it's true. We're opposing one another. Mm -hmm. We're not uh, We're not cool and comfy, right? It is. I'm fine, honestly. Yeah. You're the one complaining about it. It's 94 degrees outside. Because you live in a cool part there of the were, city. There, the only air was coming from a, a very small, interesting Dyson fan, which can barely generate any air. Not true. And I was just starving for air. Yeah. But, but it's over it. now, and I can go outside. That's it. And next week, for sure, Mel's going to be back. That's what I was told. Although I'm considering not coming just for the hell of it. What? No, I'm kidding. I'll You're be here. You're just joshing us. I'll be here. You're torturing us. So thanks, everyone, for all the letters. Keep it up. Um, Robert's now taking a selfie of us. That is Talking Tesla 92. I am Tom Wolfson. I'm Robert Rosenblum. <laughs> yes, you and are. And we're not joined by... Mel Herbert, he's not here. No. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week for 90...
three. We're getting very close to the 100th episode, which I hear we're going to do live with Carnival Games and Clowns. That's going to be uh, August 21st. Do you have the date already? I do. Wow, look at you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a lovely week. Keep those letters coming. Drive electric. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.